Hey, you're drinking house coffee, unfiltered conversations brewed at the intersection of real estate life and coffee shop service. We're Maggie and Rich, local business owners and friends sharing stories and welcoming you to pull up a chair with us. The door's always open. Let us pour you a cup. What's going on, Maggie? Hey, Rich. Welcome to our podcast. Welcome back. Once again. I know. Hey, I, this has been really consistent, and I'm loving it. I'm so proud of us. Me too. Episode six. Um, I'm sorry that it's not the topic you thought it was going to be, but uh, something to wet your whistle out there. We're going to talk in the future about five-star experiences and, you know, what goes into them? What makes them tick (laughs) 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 what do we think uh, a five-star experience requires and you know what goes wrong to make them miss the mark so um if you're thinking about five-star experiences that you've had i don't know write in tell us and uh we have we're not recording that today so maybe well i guess the trouble with the way we record is that we we always want to talk about something, but then we end up talking about it before. We want people's ideas, yeah. but we talk about it before we can get those ideas. Maybe we can put it out there online. Yeah, we definitely can put it out there online. All right. Well, even for, if you do hear this, and we've already talked about it, you should still tell us about five-star experiences. And um, I don't know, maybe leave a five-star review on our podcast. Yeah, <laughs> hey. Not a shameless plug. <laughs> um, no, instead today... And we could have gone in that direction, except that we told them last time that we were going to talk about you. We were going to hear from you, Maggie. All right. Because I feel like I've done a lot I'm of talking. I'm wildly unprepared, but I will do my best. Well, you I know promise. what? That is what's going to make this the best because we're just freeballing. Yeah. We're just making it, um, you know, we're making it what it is. Cool. So, What do you want to know? Well, um, we did already talk about how you got into uh, real estate. How you got into, um, well, other things that you've, you've been into and how a lot of those things come together in your life. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about your staging business? Because okay. I, I don't think we've talked much about that part of your journey or yep. that part of your, like, current career. Yeah. So whatever comes to mind about staging, okay. the people that's want to a, know. That's a great question, actually, and I would love to answer that. Cool. So staging. I have a staging business called Welcome Home Co. And um, I love everything about houses, if you couldn't tell by no now. way. And staging is something that I started doing basically when I, when I told last time I worked at Pottery Barn and I was helping people with their design needs and I worked for a builder, and I helped people with their interior selections. So when somebody built a new house, they would meet with me after they went to contract and select their kitchen counters, their cabinets, their flooring, their faucets, their toilets, their um, all the things that go into a new house. At Okay, sorry. Not a pottery, pottery barn. No, not a pottery barn. This, this was is for when a- you were working for the builder. Because I was going to say, Pottery Barn does not sell no, toilets. No, 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 no. No, I worked I've for... I've shopped for toilets, and it was at Lowe's. <laughs> <laughs> no, this was through the builder I worked for. Got it. I, they had it. Everything was in-house. Some builders 
they will send you to all those individual vendors and you have to go and make those appointments and run around town and do them. Whereas the builder that I worked for had an employee like me called a selections coordinator and there was a design center where they would come in and there were samples of everything and they would meet with me to pick all those things. And I loved that job. It was tons of fun and it really opened my eyes and opened my world into the new construction realm. Yeah. Would you say that that's, um, to have all that stuff in-house, is that common? I would say 50-50. A a lot of the bigger builders have that. Yeah, I would think so. It's like an expectation if you're going to work with a bigger builder. But if you are, if you're only building like a handful of houses a year, most builders don't have the overhead or want to pay somebody to do that. So... Um, having a design center and a selections coordinator is is a, is a real bonus for a builder to yeah. have, especially if they do a lot of volume of houses. So sure, makes sense. It's probably more. It, that's just good business. Yeah, to do totally. House. So no pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. Totally. Um, I got my real estate license while I was working for this builder, and my real estate business started to grow, and so there came a time where I had to choose between continuing to work for an hourly rate for the builder or really grow my own personal business. And I touched on that a couple episodes ago, how I got my real estate license and I I was like, I'm going to do this thing. And so the state, how staging comes into it is when I would list a property for sale because of my background in with Pottery Barn and with the design center, I it just is a natural part of the process for me as I was listing houses. I would meet with a seller and I would say at an appointment, they'd be like, oh, what do you think I should do to make the house look ready for, for um, the market? And I would give them my suggestions. And then it started off, it started off very slowly. It started off with, um, me bringing over some like decorative things and I would fill my car with like pillows, curtains, um, I like, a uh, um, blankets, things like that. And I would, I like would your own, my own stuff from your house, <laughs> from my collection of my own personal belongings. Wow. And were you like pulling stuff off of your couch or like off sometimes. of your table? <laughs> Because you didn't have a collection of, I mean, maybe well, you, maybe you did by that because time. I you didn't have a pottery. trailer or anything. No, I didn't have my trailer. No, heck no. I had a garage. And um, I worked at Pottery Barn. And so as as some of you know, like Pottery Barn has a beautiful collection of like decorative things. And I acquired a lot of Pottery Barn things as I worked there because the discount was amazing. Got it. And so I would just go through my own personal stash of pillows and blankets and duvets and curtains and lamps and just fill my car and bring them over. And then nice. it it slowly evolved from that. I'll, I'll, it, what really happened was I, I remember like I like filled my car with like, I, then I started to fill totes with stuff. And I would be bringing totes over to my clients' houses. And one one particular client of mine that I had hired a uh, professional um, interior designer, had a consultation, and she asked me to be there for the design consultation. 
And what ended up happening, long story short, after I, she got the suggestions from like the interior designer and then I came in and staged it, my client was like, you did a way better job than a designer and wow. you, you're really good at this. And I was like, hmm. And like, meanwhile, now I've got my own personal art, not my photos of me, but like art that I own is hanging on their walls and like tablecloths and linens. And I'm, I'm styling more than just a living room. I'm styling the whole house. And I trust, like, these are people I trusted with my own stuff. I knew like like things wouldn't get damaged. Um, So there came a time where I listed a vacant house and it was, a property that was an, an estate and it was empty. And um, the sellers, <laughs> so I, I brought um, some of our, our item, some of my items to the house. And at this point I started, I had like a good collection of stuff that yeah. I would keep in my garage. And I would just fill Brandon's truck with my stuff, bring it over to the house and um, it would be um, staged. And it was New Year's Eve, and we were having friends over for New Year's Eve. And we were getting ready, and Brandon, my husband, was like, where did our chairs go? And then he was like, we're all, we did also, we're missing our, where did our coffee table, did you move our coffee table? And he was like, and I just looked at him <laughs> with these, like, big wide eyes, and I just started, like, smiling, and he's like, where are they? Like, um, they're at so-and-so's house. I used them for staging. And he was like, Maggie, stop taking our furniture and putting them in your client's houses. Like, enough is enough. Like, you need to you need some separation. And I was like, who me? <laughs> so that's amazing. That's that was the point where I realized, okay, I'm actually I really need to take this seriously because I can't keep taking my chairs and coffee table and lamps and and artwork and stuff yeah. into my clients' houses because number one, I'm gonna not gonna have any more furniture. Yeah. And number two, Brandon's gonna get super upset that like he has nowhere to sit. So right, it's like a picture off the wall. Yeah. You know, no one's gonna miss that. But <laughs> right. you know, you go to, it's like all right, I'm trying to eat my lunch. Yeah, right. No, literally our dining chairs. No, I'm not even kidding. Our actual dining chairs. So, um, I yeah. So I I decided. You know what? I'm. We we were like, how do we do? Do I get a storage unit? Do I do this? And I just decided that a trailer would be the best use of space for me personally because it's mobile and Brandon has a truck and he can drop it off. And so I bought a trailer at the end of 2020, a 22-foot trailer, and we outfitted it with shelves and um, a little a raised, it almost looks like a stage where my sofa sits on top of it and then there's rugs that store underneath it and there's like um, storage bin, like tote bins and um, plastic um, bins for like plastic storage bags for like bedding, pillows. And then I have a whole back wall full of like artwork and like smaller pieces of furniture. And then Brandon put a bunch of um, hardware on the wall so I could strap things down so when it's moving, stuff isn't flying out everywhere. Yeah. And it took me a couple, maybe like a year or two 
to curate and collect the furniture that I have. And um, I have enough furniture now where I could stage two houses pretty comfortably. And I'm able to do that because I am very selective about what I take. And if I don't use it, I, I sell it on Marketplace. And the furniture that I do keep is the, the three factors that I consider when accepting a new piece of furniture into my collection. Um, those three factors are, does it fold, does it stack, or does it inflate? So all of my beds are inflatable beds and all of the bed frames can fold and be stored against the wall. A lot of my furniture is foldable or disassembles easily or stacks easily. So I can stack it up in the corner and it doesn't take up a ton of space. Yeah. You really thought this out. Oh, yeah. I'm sure you, you had to. Yeah, but. I had to. And I, I actually learned about that as I was loading up my Mini Cooper with <laughs> furniture because I, w I had to pick and choose the things that would easily be stuffed into a car. So, right. you know, I, I kind of... Not a I, big car. <laughs> and not a huge car. So I was able to really pare down my furniture based upon like what would fit in my car because I was making I was making runs like several trips back and forth from my garage to my clients houses with my car filled to the top with furniture. And you'd be surprised what you can what I could fit inside my car. Yeah. I mean, I can imagine. Yeah. Knowing what I have done. I mean, I have a minivan, but knowing like what I have accomplished. Yeah. I can when when there's a will. Oh. <laughs> you oh, yeah. make a way. Oh, 100%. I believe that 100%. So, yeah, now my trailer is a mobile staging unit. Brandon will drop it off to the property the week or so before it's going on the market. And I can just open the back door. And because everything is light, I can move most everything myself. There are two items I need assistance with, and that's my sofa. And there's this big giant rug that's super heavy mm. and super large and I need I need help carrying that in too and those are the only two things I really need help carrying everything else I can do by myself cool yep I didn't expect rug to be the answer so oh really what, what do you need help with yeah but that that makes sense if it's it's massive yeah um that's so interesting um I've seen pictures I think online yep because you're good at uh just showing your process and what you're doing and stuff. Uh, and I've seen pictures of your Mini Cooper filled <laughs> to the brim, for sure, for sure. That's, uh, man, that's that's pretty cool. So, okay, it's been... Uh, when did when did Welcome Home Co. become official? As, like, your your brand or the umbrella under which you would do... I suppose I suppose Welcome Home Co. became official in 2022. Wow. Okay. So that's so it's fairly recent in terms just of last year. My, I mean, I bought the domain a while ago, but I just sat on it for like a year. Once I like, I knew the name. I had my logo. So I guess maybe it started in 21, 2021. 
but I didn't do anything with it because I was so busy with my real estate business. I had a ton of clients that I was working with by myself. Um, And I don't know if people remember the craziness of the real estate market in 2020 and 2021 and even 2022, it started to get a little bit less crazy. But like 2020 and 2021 were crazy, crazy, crazy for real estate agents. And so I really didn't have the time to focus on setting up, you know, an official business. I just sort of did it. And I, I had the trailer, but it just looked like a sketchy white trailer that was like parked in front of people's yeah. houses. And I would talk about what I did with staging, but I didn't really make it official until, until like the end, like middle of uh, 2022 because just the sheer time it took to establish it. And I, I didn't want people to think that I was getting out of the real estate game and just doing staging. A couple people thought that when I announced that I had this Welcome Home Co. And so I just wanted to clear that up. Like I'm I'm very much still actively working as, as a real estate agent. Staging is just a, like an arm of my business, kind of like the podcast is an art of this business, yeah. you know? Like I think it's important as a professional to not put all your eggs in one basket. And that is what staging is for me. It's, it's, it's something I love doing. Actually, I think I love staging more than I love selling, Yeah. but staging allows me that creative way of, of a blank canvas. Actually, do you want to know who my favorite clients are? Obviously. <laughs> my favorite clients are single bachelors. Wow. Because they will just be like, do whatever you want. I don't care. Nice. Like, make it look good. Yeah. And when it's an empty house, you can make this house look like anybody lives there. You would never know from the photos who the owner is or what they're like. And my favorite compliments are from other agents who when we're discussing the property, we'll be like, does someone live here? And I'll be like, no, they don't. Nice. It's an empty house. It's a vacant house. And that's such a compliment when when people can't tell if somebody lives there or not just by, you know, walking through it. And I I take a lot of pride in that because I think sometimes, I mean, every staging business is different. And I think some staging companies will just like make, make enough it, it just depends on the person, but like, I like to stage a home so that it looks like fully furnished and beautiful in photos. And it's it's really great when the when the clients are like, I don't care what you do, just make it look good. Yeah. And I just go in there, Joe and I, my my friend Joe who helps me out, Joe who I met, we were at Pottery Barn, and um, we we go in there and. He, we just we just do our thing, and it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah. It doesn't feel like work when I'm working with Joe. That's cool. Yeah, um, yeah. I was thinking that the it sounds like a creative outlet for you, which yeah. is good to have. You know, in 
life, obviously, yep. always. But when, and I, we touched on this before <clears throat> as an idea, but to have a creative outlet that you can also draw income from mm-hmm. is, I mean, I yeah. guess that's the dream, right? <laughs> yeah, it is a dream. And I think that there's a difference between like, um, I have a lot of creative outlets that people probably don't know about, but I'm not going to make a living out of them. Like I like yeah. to sew. I have a sewing machine and I, I like to sew things, but I'm like, I do that for fun because I enjoy it. Like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sell yeah. the things I sell. And I mean, and I don't post about them either. I just do it because it's for me. Yeah, I actually didn't know that about you. Yeah, <laughs> so that's cool. But that's the idea. Of, I mean, for some things, you have to the scale on which you have to do some things mm-hmm. to make a living or make an in, you know, or draw an income from it at all. It's such a large scale that it it would lose something of its. Um, Enjoyment? Yeah, just its charm and 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 maybe the creative aspect of it would kind of be sucked <laughs> sucked yep. out of it. Um, which I can imagine hand sewing and hand making clothing. For someone, I'm sure that is a a passion and yep. something they love to do and are happy to do a lot of it. And you know, that's a whole rabbit trail. That's just all those kinds of things that we, we can pursue um, creatively, but but that's cool. I'm glad you have that in your life. Uh, and you know, having something to break things up is is important. For sure. <laughs> Knowing you know, from my point of view, like how long I've been grinding—no pun intended. Gosh, <laughs> um, just grinding it out, like trying to make this coffee shop work. Um, you know, it's getting there, and like. Yeah, well, I don't, yes. Things are things are getting somewhere. <laughs> things are getting somewhere. But I'm just thinking like, man, it's been so long since I've had the freedom to go skate or play music or hang out with my wife and just enjoy some time together. And mm-hmm. now we have a kid. And so, you know. Yeah. Who knows how, how, how soon that will be in my life. But um, those little moments that I get of... Uh, of enjoyment outside of work are are important, but there's nothing else really in my life that I could do at this point to to like add to the business or or turn it into. What would you be doing if you didn't own a coffee Listen, shop? Listen, this episode is not okay. about me actually, so I was just gonna not <laughs> keep talking about myself. But I honestly don't even know because I have no career prospects. <laughs> I left a career in ministry, like I maybe I mentioned before, mm-hmm. and uh, and that was like kind of an open door to what's next and church ministry. Can't, college, college ministry. campus ministry, and like I didn't even graduate college. Um, I graduated um, community college, but I'm six credits short of a, of a bachelor's degree. So, you know, I didn't have a lot. Now I could have sure I could have gone and finished that, and who knows? That was in philosophy. I mean, yeah, lots of dead end roads <laughs> in my life. I really don't know what I'd be doing, but I'd I'd almost not. I'd almost you know, rather. It's so funny. Right before we started recording, you were you said something about reticent. Yes. What was what did you say? I said I'm reticent about permanence. Yes. Yeah, and so maybe it would have been an English. So it all adds <laughs> <teacher>. up. <laughs> you're reticent about permanence. I am. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. You're. You're. You're, man, thanks for connecting those dots for me, Maggie. I appreciate that. Um, all right, yeah, enough about me, okay? I've been mm-hmm. talking about me for five episodes. 
Um, what else do you want to know? You know, you... What else do you want to tell us? I don't know, like, I mean, specific questions come up as, as we're talking, but that's... Those, and I could follow any one of those questions. And I, I'm trying to, like, think about what would people want to know, you know? I, I don't... You're the only person I know. I mean, I know real estate people. I have another friend, old friend, who he's getting into real estate, and uh, and it looks kind of cut and dry, but the staging element, I think, really makes it for you a whole well-rounded thing. It's just like a it's like a part of the industry. I mean, what, what what's the benefit of staging? Like, I know it's the benefit to you creatively, but, like, why would someone want to hire you for that service what what's that going to do if they're selling a house well if i think two things i the benefit for me other than the fact that i get enjoyment out of it right is it sets me apart from other real estate agents and in a business of real estate it can be really competitive. And one thing that makes me differentiate myself from competition, not that it's like, oh, I'm, I'm in competition with so many people. It's just sometimes when somebody is about to sell a house, they'll interview multiple agents and see like who would be the best fit for them. And a one way that I can differentiate myself is offering staging as a part of my service because it's it's just something that I, I love to do. So that's that's the benefit for me is that it sets myself apart. And the benefit for my clients and for in general is that it turns a plain ordinary house into a beautiful house. And my job as a stager is to help buyers imagine themselves living there and let the buyers imagine that to be as their home. So one of the things that when Joe and I are staging together, um, Joe's very creative and he's so good at styling things to make it look really beautiful. And oftentimes I'll... I'll have to like dial it back a little bit because I'm like we're not we're not staging a house for the experience necessarily of like being in the house. I stage a house so that it looks good in photographs because no buyer is going to want to walk through the front door if they don't like how the house looks in photographs. So my job as the listing agent and stager is to make a house look beautiful on a little screen that we hold in our hands 24-7 called our phone. And if our house doesn't look good on our phone, on a screen, no one's going to want to see it in person. So that's a huge benefit for, for clients of mine is when I stage something, I know how to make it look good in the photos and I, I know how to make a room be it's so it sounds kind of silly to say this but like i know how to create an emotion out of a room yeah 
You know what I mean? That's, like that's a, a that's genius. I know how to do it. I know how to like. I don't know. It's just something. That is, it's a talent of mine, I think, because. It, you want to depersonalize it, yes. You don't want to have photos of, like, your kids and, like, their names and yeah. stuff. Like, when, I remember one time um, I was listing a house and, like, they had a baby room. And you know how, it, I don't know, I, I don't think you did this with your son, but, like, you over the crib, they'll have like individual letters of the totally. of the baby's name. Yeah, we didn't do that, but I, I I know exactly what you mean. You know, and it's like over the crib, and it looks really cute. But what people don't realize is these photos last forever on the internet. It doesn't matter if the, li- the listing's taken down or whatever. Like those photos, people take screenshots, and those live on the internet forever. So, just a tip for people out there you know, who don't live in this area and you are going to be selling your house, like I recommend taking down those letters and like names of your kids and photos of your children because if you don't want something to be lived on the internet forever, take it down. Yeah. If you don't care, then leave it. It doesn't matter to me. If you have like a big giant canvas photo of your wedding day, more power to you if you don't mind if that lives on the internet forever. Yeah, solid advice. <laughs> um, so, do you like envision rooms through? You know, do you walk around like holding up your fingers, like you're looking through? A I phone? do. Yeah, I literally do. I do that, and I will take pictures of the process throughout the way. Like I staged a house, um, single guy. Not to give away all your trade secrets. I mean, I there's mean, probably I people out there looking to like. You know, jump in on on your territory. I'm not. Here, I'm not concerned about that because I think everybody brings their own talent to the table and different. Yeah, I heard it here first. I'm really not concerned. I really, I'm really not. Um, That's if cool. somebody doesn't want to work with me, I'm not. I'm not offended. Yeah, like we can. We don't have to work together. I'm yeah. not gonna be the. I'm not gonna be the right fit for everybody. But what I was saying about this client of mine. Um, I staged um, the bedroom and I took a photo of it. And it looked great in person. I was like, wow, this looks so great. And then I took a photo of it. And I looked at the photo and something stuck out to me in the photo that didn't look right, that you couldn't really see as I was standing there. And I ended up rearranging the whole thing to make it look better for the photo. Professionalism at its finest. Mm -hmm. I did. Yep. And that's just... That's the job you're going to do, dude. Yeah. I, People you know, don't realize that that's part of staging. That's good. Um, yeah, a little behind the scenes for you. Um, man. <clears throat> okay, well, everyone wants to know. Financial. What's... what's Obviously... <clears throat> excuse me. Um, so we talk, there's, there's the benefit of like... So what's the effect of selling when you sell a house that's been staged? Are we talking selling it for more? Are we talking Good question. selling it faster? Like what's the I'll give you is an there example. a trade-off? How, yeah, please. So there was a property that was for sale by owner. And I had some buyer clients. And by the way, like if a house is a for sale by owner and somebody still wants to see it, 
I'll show my my buyer clients a for sale by owner. Just because it's a for sale by owner doesn't mean they can't, you know, we can't work together. So that's what I did. I called the owner directly because that was the number listed on Zillow. We walked through the house and my my clients agreed that that wasn't the right home for them. They didn't really like it. Afterward, I sent a text to the owner. Thank you so much for your time. Um, you know, it's not really the right house for them. That's it. Didn't really say much after that. Um, and then the next day, the owner called me and he started asking me specific questions. And I when, when we were having this conversation, it sounded like he was interviewing me. Like he was asking me like, and I'm like, so like, and it got to the point of the conversation where I was like, are you, do you want to list the house? He's like, yeah, I, I think I, I think we need a realtor and we really liked you. Um, or I really liked you. And it was an estate. Yeah. Um, he talked to his, um, siblings about it. Gotcha. And, um, I was like, okay, well I'll come back. Had, and it, had it been vacant? It was, was it like empty? Yeah, it was empty. Your people were walking through? Yep. Gotcha. Yep. It was totally empty. Um, that's not why they didn't like it. It was, it was well, they other didn't factors. Like it because they couldn't see themselves it, living there. It, right. <laughs> right. There were other factors. Totally. So I go back. We make an appointment. I go back maybe like a day or two later. And I sit with him and um, I was like, here's what I think your house needs. I think you need me to stage it because it's really hard for people to envision what this house can look like because it's it's kind of like random. Yeah. So, and most of the rooms most of the rooms were empty. So, I staged the house. We listed it for um I don't even remember the exact details, but basically with the house staged and like the you know real estate commissions and all of that, he made more money than he did when he was listed at for sale by owner. So that is the power of staging, in yeah. my opinion, because it it got a lot of attention and a lot of showings and a lot of interest, and people were willing to pay above the asking price for it because of um, all those things I just mentioned. Yeah, great. And that's pretty typical? Um, for me, yes. I mean, <laughs> ooh, okay. <laughs> nice. Good. Well, Not always. I mean, there's no, I mean, I, right now yeah, in 2023, I mean, we are in a very unique market. We just are. Like, if you were to ask me this question in like 2017, 2018, it would be, I would have a completely different answer for you because yeah. the market was different then. But the market is different now and sellers are on strike. Nobody wants to sell a house right now because there's they don't know where they're going to move. And I think eventually things will equalize a little bit. But right now, um, yeah, that's that's kind of what the market's like right now. Is that like, you know, people talk about inventory. Is that because there's less, it's probably a cycle. Got to be a cycle, right? If there's yeah. less people selling, right now, there's less places to move, and then people don't want to sell because yep. they got nowhere to move. Exactly. And then also, people aren't. Are people still offering? You know, there was all this talk about like 
houses would be sold for like cash sight unseen yep. is that still that's that's not necessarily the there's not that was the covid so, game yeah maybe. that was the covid game yes but what what really happened is several years ago the interest rates were record low 2.5% 3% and people bought their house at a very record low interest rate and now interest rates as of today i would say the average interest rate for our area is probably 6.75% or 6.5% depending on the lender that varies so why would somebody move out of a house that's paying 2.5 or 3% into a house where they're going to basically be doubling their interest rate i mean when you think about it, interest that's like an average interest rate for like, you know, our parents paid more than that when they bought their houses. But I think it's just hard for people to conceptualize like moving from a diff, like increasing their monthly payment by that much. So yeah. they don't want to move. So houses are just sort of at a place right now where people are just making do with where they live. I know so little about real estate. I'm not, I'm not an expert. <laughs> Funny enough that we're doing a podcast about <laughs> real estate and coffee. Um, I have so much to learn. How common is for sale by owner? That's not something you see that often. I don't know that process at all. Like, it's pretty is it common. Pretty straightforward. Is it like kind of what it sounds like? Yep. You just work out a deal with the person that owns that house, and then- yeah. Um, well, in New York State, you work with a real estate attorney. For the closing, so that's very common here in New York State. We're one of the two states, maybe three, that requires a real estate attorney for closing. Interesting. Yep. So, in here in New York State, if you're doing a for sale by owner, the attorney, you you know, they would have to have an attorney to do the closing. Um, but people think that. It's easy to do for sale by owner because, and the most common reason somebody wants to do a for sale by owner is because they think they could do a better job than a real estate agent, and maybe they could, but they want to avoid paying commissions. Yeah. That's the biggest thing. But the reality is selling a house is a big headache, and it's confusing, and there's a big process along the way. And if 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 you're not experienced with selling a house, there's a lot of factors that come into play that you just don't have at your fingertips as a typical homeowner. And a a real estate agent, if they're doing their job right, they are negotiating on your behalf and explaining the multiple offers to you and giving you options and educating you throughout the process, as well as being a go between for all the people that want to see the house. So just showings alone is is such a pain to coordinate, especially if you have a full-time job. And a realtor's full-time job is to show houses and negotiate and make sure that you're educated on the process from start to finish. It's a pain. Like (laughs) you want to know what I tell people when I when I'm going to sell their house. What is it? I'm like, I just want you to know 
If anybody tells you that they are going to make this easy for you, they're lying. It is incredibly inconvenient to sell your house. Incredibly inconvenient. You have to make sure your house is in perfect condition. You have strangers walking through your home. If you have pets, you have to find a new location for your pets. If you have kids, you have to make sure your kids are, you know, you know, sometimes showings can go like it into dinner time and bedtime and you have to make arrangements to be out of your house while people are walking through and and looking through your cabinets and closets and all these things. Yeah. You just it's very invasive. It's a very invasive thing to sell your house. And people are really stressed out if they if if they can't control all of that. So what I tell people when I sell their house is I I say to them like selling your house is inconvenient, but I'm going to try to make it as stress-free as possible by making sure we're having the same expectations. I think it's all about managing expectations. I like that. Um, I like that phraseology. I use that a lot. <clears throat> phraseology? Me. No, I manage the expectations. <laughs> uh -huh. That's how I describe my job, actually. Yeah. I think being a business owner, so maybe that's why. Uh, yeah. Maybe that's why that makes sense. Being a business owner basically equates to managing expectations. Yep. Um, your own, your clients or customers, your staff if you have them, you know, team members, whatever, and that's that's something that's just an ongoing work. So yeah, I resonate with that. Yep. Um, well, I've never bought or sold a house, so that probably explains why I lack this education. <laughs> Mm -hmm. um, man, shout out to you if you have bought or sold a house. Yeah. It's fun times. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, um, I mean, that's a pretty good look into your your work, I think. Um, yeah. Let me just do a little time check. Check us out. Average time. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't have any more specific questions. Um, do you have anything to add or mm. subtract? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. Any cool staging opportunities on the horizon? Or, I mean, they're, maybe they're um, all cool in different ways, but like yeah. any you're particularly looking forward to if, if they're uh, lined up already? You know, I'm going to be honest. I don't. It's like I said, All sellers right, guys. are on well, strike. Maggie is ready to uh, work for you. All right, so just <laughs> no. give a shout to <laughs> welcome. But here's girl. the thing: I am working with so Dot many com. buyer clients right now. A lot of buyers. Buyers, got yeah. It. So, um, so I'm, you do both. So you're never short both. of something yeah. to do. Yeah, it's just like I said, sellers are on strike right now. So, and I I want to be transparent about that. I'm not trying to sit here and be like, oh, I'm so busy. I've got yeah. too much work because that's just not the reality of every real estate agent right now. Sure. But I... It's yeah. like any business, I'm sure it ebbs and flows and it's, yep. it's market-driven and, you know, there's a lot yeah. that influences that, so... I've got a lot of really cool buyers right now and I'm looking at a lot of really cool houses right now. Um, so there's that. I, I, love, I love taking videos and photos of all the houses I see. Yeah. Where can people... Um, and are those things you share? Yes. Yeah. So where can people find you? Maybe we've said it before, yep. but just on my Instagram, another plug. Maggie from at Maggie from. That's my Instagram. At Maggie from. Cool. Mm -hmm. uh, yep. 
Any um, anything you want to add about anything new at Storied? Uh, new at Storied. There's a lot going on in the background, guys. I don't know. You don't have to share necessarily. Well, there's like... not a lot that I can share. All right. All I can say is, well, this is cool. So I'm I'm excited about this. Happy to share this. Um, we just got ourselves into a consulting um, course. It's going to cool. be it's like a small group based consulting it's like a small group based curriculum there's these modules each one is related to things like well, just things for running a business and in particular running a coffee shop this is a this is a consulting comp, uh, guy it's a guy <laughs> consulting guy <laughs> who works with largely he, he's from the coffee industry he works with coffee people and cafe owners so he knows the deal but at the same time it's like it's a business it's like any other business and so cash flow and revenue and percentages and cost of goods those are all things that are they pertain to you know any kind of business um but he because of experience in coffee shops has a lot to say about that and i'm not saying that story is roasting coffee anytime soon but spoiler alert we've been talking about roasting coffee and what that could look like for us uh that is typically something that with bigger companies that do major or even smaller companies there's a lot that goes into coffee roasting that you wouldn't even have a clue about if your only experience with coffee was well i mean not even to mention if your only experience with coffee was a was a shop like a chain store but even coming into a shop like storied it's just a cafe it's just a cafe and there's an espresso machine and like our process is extensive but we already are we're working with coffee that's already been roasted it's a whole other business to set up a coffee roastery and so there's different ways to do that and one is to like get a coffee roasting machine and get the space and buy a bunch of green you know raw coffee that you're gonna roast and you know all that stuff and kind of build out the infrastructure for that why would somebody want to do that is it like is it profitable Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I'm paying someone else for the coffee that they've roasted. So, for I'm paying like $9 a pound, for instance, or just throw a number out there. Um, I do kind of pay around that price, $9 a pound. And specialty coffee, like we talked about yes. quality, I think, last yep. time and how what differentiates. Uh, specialty coffee is like, Nine dollars maybe is on the low end <laughs> of or mid range specialty, mm-hmm. you know, coffee. Like you could pay ten, eleven dollars a pound wholesale prices before you're gonna then have to go and sell that coffee as a finished product. Um, but when you buy the green roasted, I'm sorry, unroasted coffee, the price point is a lot lower to start. And so if you're roasting it yourself, well, you're cutting cutting out a middleman. Excuse me, and you can. Um, just retain more profit and slash get your own wholesale clients, which, you know, we have a lot of dreams within our industry. I was thinking about this earlier today. Um, I got into coffee as someone who isn't interested in simple, like I got into it because of like, coffee, the whole thing. I like the whole thing. Um, the way I was thinking about it was people... A lot. Some people just want to have a coffee shop, 
you know, because it's, it's like a romantic idea. They just want a little cafe. They want to serve people, but they don't care that much about the coffee that's being served. It's not their focus. For me, I got into it because I wanted to learn about coffee. I wanted to be hands-on. I want to know the process. And so, in other words, you can work with a company that's going to provide a machine and coffee, and they're going to be able to tell you how to program that thing, and they're going to kind of say, set it and forget it. You know, if they come and do it for you, then it's going to get done. But if you don't know how to do it, well, one, you can't make any changes, and two, you don't know how to do it. You don't know anything about it. Yeah. And if you don't care, well, that's fine. But I was always the kind of guy getting into this where I was like, I want to know how to change things if I need to. I want to understand the process. I want to understand what's happening with this coffee that makes it one way or another. And if I want to explore it, well, I've got the tools to do that. And I'm realizing just how much I have to learn. (laughs) I have so much to learn. I actually know very little, almost nothing about coffee roasting, interestingly enough. And then I'm realizing how little anyone else knows who isn't on that other end. And so there's almost two ways you can go in this world. And I find myself on this path that's leading more toward, I think we got to go the whole way. I think we might want to go the whole way toward roasting coffee, providing it to other people, providing them the service and the machines and the repair. And like, we're kind of like starting to think really big picture. I'm not saying we have the skills or know-how or resources to, you know, build that business, but I am saying, watch out. (laughs) Story's coming for you. All right. Nice. 2023. That's exciting. Yeah. Thanks. And there's some other cool things that um, that are happening, like other opportunities we're sort of poking at, uh, places that you might potentially find some storied influence in the future, and uh, and then what else? And so yeah, the consulting deal that whole thing i think that's like perfect timing for where we're at and i'll be happy to talk about this process as we go and things we're learning um as a little bit behind the scenes of story because we were already thinking about a lot of this stuff cash flow and projections and profitability and how to pay your staff and pay your owners and you know sustain for the long term yeah um we were thinking about a lot of that stuff. And then I had been following this guy online, which, you know, I'll shout him out because go follow him. He's, he's, I think, like I said, he's deep in, in the coffee industry. He's been in it for a long time, but I think that the, and he's done a consulting and stuff, but it seems like this effort is sort of new um, and growing. And so it's called Threadbare Coffee Consulting, I think. Threadbare, you could find it that way, coffee. And uh, he's always posting, his name is Michael. He's always posting like just, good little thoughts on Instagram and trying to be helpful, um, giving people, especially cafe owners and roastery owners, uh, just thoughts about good things. One of the things he said that kind of like hit me, he's like, don't open a second location before your first location is profitable. (laughs) Like, where was that advice? And I was like, I mean, (laughs) sure, that's obvious enough, maybe. But obviously we had, or maybe not obviously, if you don't know, we had a second location. (laughs) Um, and it was a look I'm not we learned a lot from it everybody learned a lot and and I think the principle does apply but like it could have been different it should have been different for sure than what it was what happened so we learned that's gonna be a whole episode too live and learn opening and closing your Mm -hmm. second location um so 
okay, we've been through a lot. We talked, you know, and so we were already thinking about all that stuff. And uh, and then Michael, I've been following him. And then this opportunity popped up. And I was like, all right, I think this is the time to pull the trigger. The price was really nice for um, some kind of like promotional reasons. And I'm just looking forward to that. Cool. So it's 12 modules. I'm not going to tell you all about it. But it's 12 modules that are dedicated to cafe ownership. And then it's bonus round 12 modules dedicated to roastery. Cool. ownership so it's like it's like looking ahead we'll already have worked through those some ideas around that you know before getting into it and then also we're thinking about the cafe side i think that the long-term viability of storied just includes i think it probably has to include for as long as we're in scotia as long as we're in small town new york like it might have to include and for as long as i don't want to be like a full service restaurant or brunch joint or whatever um which I love some good brunch, so nothing against that. But I think that's a different, I think it's just a different model. So if we want to be a little coffee shop, we're going to have to probably provide yeah. some coffee, you know, to ourselves. And, and we're going to need some sponsorships people. for this podcast. Oh, snap. <laughs> okay. Do you know what's really funny? I want to name my roastery, not storied. I want to name it, and not reticent roasters, although now I'm actually thinking, <laughs> I'm thinking maybe reticent roasters is a cool name. But um, I've actually thought about reluctant roasters. I thought that's oh. not a cool alliteration. And also because I've actually been very reluctant. <laughs> reticent get, is... Reticent roasters. To get into... Uh, I've been reluctant to get into coffee roasting Does reticent mean hesitant? Yeah. It's like standoffish or just like you're holding back from something. Okay. You know, reticent. I'm, yeah. I'm not willing to... I'm hesitant to go there. That's... Yeah, okay. Reticent, hesitant. Sure I, I think those are synonyms for okay. sure. Uh, I don't know why I choose reticent over hesitant. See, you're reticent for <laughs> a lot vocabulary. of things, from what I've learned. Uh, yeah. Well, feel free to encourage <laughs> <me>. <laughs> Feel free to encourage me in all the irrelevant directions that you know about yeah. my life. Hey, maybe. we're here now recording, so like I call that a win. Yeah. So, oh, wait. Are you saying <laughs> that I was reticent about starting this podcast? Yes. Wow. <laughs> Undercover. I mean, I don't think you were reticent about... The idea you were, I think you were reticent to hit record. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> reticent I can't Rich. You got me on that. Reticent it all, it all makes sense. Wow. Full wow. circle. Cool. Well, you can thank me later. <laughs> <laughs> all right. On that note, yeah. uh, I think we're going to draw to a close. Thanks cool. for tuning in. Um, and next time we'll talk about five star experience. You think next time? Going to jump right so. into that? Yeah. Yeah, nothing else on the table. Well, I, that's so. what I was prepared for today, so I'll be Sick. ultra prepared for next time. Perfect. All right, well, we'll... Uh, Don't forget to follow us, House Coffee Podcast, on Instagram. Yep. And submit your questions. Please. HouseCoffeePodcast.com or HouseCoffeePodcast at Gmail. You know what yeah. I would really love? What? Is a little... Uh, if you head to our website, story... No. <laughs> <laughs> if you head to our website at HouseCoffeePodcast dot com and you scroll all the way to the bottom and you find that little link leave us a voice message yeah and uh, hit us up on that speak pipe we'd uh we'd love to hear from you you can just yeah. leave a little shout out down there tell us um you know how what you think how we're doing any thoughts questions comments concerns queries quandaries inquiries yeah all of those all of the above we would love to hear from you mm-hmm. with your actual beautiful angelic voices yes all right okay next time we'll catch you later peace out Thank you.